Would you turn with me this evening in the Bible to the book of Psalms, Psalm 66. I'm excited about this week. I believe the Lord's going to meet us wonderfully, help us. This is our week of increase as the Lord has led us. And uh, we believe God is a God of increase. The Bible says so. It says repeatedly in the New Testament as well as in the Old that God is a God, the God, of increase. He's not a God of decrease. And he's not a God of staying the same. He's a God of increase. Right? And that's uh, certainly that includes money, material things, but it's not limited to that. It includes the more important things. It includes increase of knowledge of God. Increase of revelation of truth and the word that makes you free. Increase of anointing. Right? Increase of wisdom. Increase of understanding. Right? Increase of every good thing. Just increase of God. So don't just be stuck in one area and think, well, we're talking about increase of money. Well, it includes that. But, you know, not just that. Let's be real open in our spirit and say, Lord, we desire your will. We know that's increase and in every area. Talk to us about any area, every area that would please you. So let's just pray that and release our faith together. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. What a good God you are. We present ourselves before you tonight as your people. We thank you for the opportunity to have this meeting, and we look to you. We know that we don't have it in and of ourselves, but we all look to you. Our eyes are on you, and we say, show us what to do, which way to go. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, a heart that's open and receptive and understanding. Give us revelation of your truth in exactly the area. Say exactly what you want to say and do exactly what you want to do. We'll hear it. We'll respond to it. We'll receive it. And by your grace, we'll do it. We'll be doers and not just hearers only. And we know we'll be blessed when we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory. Say it out loud. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Psalm 66, are you there? You know, uh, utterance and service is not just all up to the preacher. You know that, right? It's a corporate thing. We should believe God together, and that's what we just did in our prayer, releasing our faith. Are you expecting the Lord to talk to you? Hmm? You know, you're not limited to what I know. Thank God. You'd be severely limited. If we're limited to what you knew, we'd be severely limited. Right? No, our teacher is not man. He uses men and women, but our teacher is the Holy Spirit. And he can say things to you that I didn't even say. Right? He can say things to you about what was said. And take your mind on a certain path and get you to a place and can give you something in a, I mean in a millisecond, that answer questions you've had for years. Reveal something to you that just sort out and solve things that you've been having trouble with for a long time. And if we'll expect and have faith, that's what he'll do. Say it out loud. I'll get something good tonight. I'll hear from the Lord tonight. And I'll receive it. In Psalm 66, Psalm 66, verse 
10, he said, For thou, O Lord, hast proved us. You've tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction upon our loins. You caused men to ride over our heads. Now, if you look at the whole story, you'll see that uh, so much of that was because of their disobedience. He said, we went through fire and through water, but you brought us out into a wealthy place. (laughs) Glory. Listen to another translation or two. NIV says, we went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. The New King James says, we went through fire. And through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Rich fulfillment. The living Bible says, we went through fire and flood, but in the end, you brought us into wealth and great abundance. Man, I like that, don't you? (laughs) We went through some stuff, he said. But in the end... You brought us out into a wealthy, one translation says, well-watered and well-filled place. Literally, it means well-filled. In fact, the same word here that talks about wealthy place is the word where it says, my cup runneth over. Same word. My cup runneth over. He brought us into a place where we were running over, a place of abundance. Now, he talked about being proven and passing tests and going through some things and even some challenging things. And you know what? We have. Phyllis and I have. We've been through a few things. Can anybody else relate? You've been through a few things? But how many believe it ain't over till it's over? Right? And if you won't quit and you won't give up, you know, we made up our mind. We are not. You know, I've told this before, but it'll bear repetition. Phyllis and I, we didn't grow up rich. And even after we're married and in the ministry, we were broke. I mean broke. I mean, you, you know, you ever been to the place where you didn't have enough money to get a tank of gas? You would go somewhere if you had some gas. But you, I mean, you know, there's one time while we were going to school that uh, we'd come in for supper. And what did we have, Phyllis, in the refrigerator? We had a couple of dried up carrots and an onion. That's it. That's it. And, you know. Uh, We know what it is to be broke. And that went on month after month and year after year, even in the ministry. And I remember falling across the bed and just crying, weeping and saying, Lord, I know this is not your will. I know this does not please you. I can see it in your word. We're supposed to prosper. We're supposed to be blessed. And I know this is not your fault. Have mercy on me. What I don't know, teach me. What I don't understand, reveal to me. Anybody in ministries that you can hook me up with to reveal more and help me to see these things and people that know these things, have mercy on me. Well, the Bible said when you call on the Lord with all your heart, what will happen? He'll hear you, right? And he'll answer you. And he did. I'm telling you, oh, I'm so thankful. He did. Well, now we didn't turn around in three days, but it seemed like for the next five years, every day, God was teaching me something about prosperity. So much of it I already knew, but I wasn't doing. 
I wasn't really putting it into practice. And I'm telling you, I begin to change things. Phyllis and I had some long talks and, and we begin to put our stuff on the table and we begin to be more conscientious about what we were doing. And, and the Lord showed us, you know, to put him first and, and we begin to pay off some stuff and, and quit spending and quit going into debt. And there's just a lot of things that we did and it didn't happen overnight. But oh, I can look back right there in that bedroom weeping before the Lord. He began to turn us around. And by week by week and month by month and year by year. And I'm telling you, we ain't where we used to be. Oh, he's brought us. He literally has brought us into a wealthy place. I believe we're going on a lot further than where we are. But I tell you what, we're blessed. We're in a place of fulfillment. We're in a place of satisfaction. We're in a place of plenty. And it'll only increase from here. Well, how many believe God has a wealthy place for you? For every one of his children, does he have a place of abundance, a place of rich fulfillment? Said out loud, God has a wealthy place for me and my family. God has a place of abundance and rich fulfillment for me. Now you've got to make up your mind that it's there for you and that you're not going to stop till you're in it. Right? Some of these things you don't see overnight, and it's not for the timid, and it's not for the easily discouraged. You've got to set your face like flint, and you've got to say, we're not backing off till we see this. Right? And he said, you know, we went through some things. We, we went through some fire. We went through some flood. You know, some people have misunderstood. They've thought that if you live by faith, you never have any challenges. Well, I don't know where they got that. The Bible didn't tell you that if you live by faith, you'd never have any challenges or battles. The promise of the faith life is that you overcome every battle. You overcome. You win. But that doesn't mean, you know, if you're going to be an overcomer, that means you come over some stuff. (laughs) If there was nothing to come over, you couldn't be an overcomer. So the next time you see a big hill, the next time you see a challenge, just shout and go, oh, glory to God. Here's another opportunity to prove the word of God. Here's another opportunity for God to get glory in my life. Amen. And the devil, if he wants to make it hard and try to make a big deal out of it, you say, hey, make it easy on yourself. The bigger the problem, the bigger the testimony. Right? Oh, yeah. You want to make it hard? You want to make it big? Well, it'll just be that much glory to God when this thing turns around. Yeah, that's what it means to be more than a conqueror, not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror that you win. And that's not just the end of it. You make the enemy eat it. You make him wish he had never messed with you. That's more than a conqueror. Hey, you know, brother Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father in the faith we had the privilege to serve with for many years in heaven now. And, uh, you know, he was born much premature, and the doctors, you know, uh, they took him out to bury him. And, you know, uh, detected a sign of life, and he lived, but by the time he was 16, multiple doctors and experts said he couldn't live past 16 years of age, you know, to his next birthday. And he had a deformed heart and chest cavity, incurable blood disease, and all these things. But God got a hold of him. Revealed to him Mark 11, 23 and 24. And he believed that he received his healing. 
And the power of God came on him in that little bedroom. And he stood up when he had been paralyzed. And he was healed. And he left that place and preached the word of God for 60 plus years. Hallelujah. And I mean, he didn't just get healed. That word of healing and his testimony has gone around the globe. Millions upon millions of books. How many believe the devil wished he hadn't have done that to him? How many think the devil wished he'd have just put that on somebody that had just died with it and that would have been the end of it? But no, not only did he get healed, but then for 65 plus years, he told everybody the devil wasn't big enough to kill him. And that God healed him, and not only did he heal him, but he told them how to receive, all of us, how to receive our healing. Don't you know the devil's thinking, oh, I wish they hadn't have done that. Oh, he said, not him. Why did I put that on him? Why did I put, well, you got to make him that way with you. You got to say, you sure you want to do this? I see what you do. You sure you want to mess with me? You sure? Because I'm going to make you eat it. I will not quit as long as I draw a breath and the earth turns and God's on the throne. I'll stand and believe God. So you messing with the wrong dude. We will win. We will overcome. And then we're going to tell everybody how you couldn't do it. And they'll see in our life that God will do for them what he did for us. You make him eat it. More than a conqueror. And it's a faith response. I mean, when it looks bad, I mean fire and flood and mud and blood. (laughs) It's faith in when instead of crying and feeling sorry for yourself, you look up and go, devil, you messed up. You messed up. Oh, you messed up. Oh, you picked the wrong one this time. Oh, you messed up. Because we are more than conquerors. Overcomers. God has a wealthy place. Say it out loud. Wealthy place. A place. Now notice that word in the, this word is in the, it's in italics, but it's in the other translations as well. And you're going to see it in many, many verses before we get through. God has a place of wealth, prosperity, success, fulfillment, satisfaction for all of his children. Sadly, though, many are not in this place. They're in a place of poverty. They're in a place of lack. I'm talking about born again. Children of God, people that are, they are saved. And they love God as much as they know. But they're hurting. And they're not in a place of victory. And they go year after year. And even decade after decade. In a place of lack. I described it. Phyllis and I, for years, were in a place of lack. We're in a place of inability. You know, sit in a service and want to give in the offering. And just don't have anything. Nothing. Want to, you know, see something you want to get in on. Want to be a part of. And you just don't have it. You don't have the ability. That's a curse. I said, that's a curse. That is not a blessing. Somebody said, well, maybe God's working something out in you. You know, through this poverty and teach you. Oh, no. 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 I've been broke. And all I learned was how uncomfortable it was. And all what I learned is I wanted to get out. That's what I learned. And I came out and I know the difference. With is better than being without. Amen. Blessed is better than cursed. Plenty is so much better 
than lack. And plenty gives glory to God. Lack does not give glory to God. Right? I mean, what the Lord's done for us here in a couple of years. I mean, people can see things that he's done for us. He didn't do it with lack. Right? I mean, our TV gear and all the stuff and the properties and and the outreaches. I mean, you can't do that with lack. We're not in a corner somewhere saying we don't have enough. Oh, I don't know why we don't have enough. We don't know. We believe in plenty. I've had people come and say, well, you know, in the healing school one time a man came to me and he said, well, now we don't preach this like y'all do at our church. I said, okay. He said, we don't believe in it. And he said, I, we don't see healings. We, I've never seen any healings. I said, now that's interesting, isn't it? I said, we preach healing. And we believe in healing. And we have healings. I mean, we had volumes and volumes of testimonies, just like around here. And I said, and y'all don't preach it. And you don't believe in it. And you don't have any. Wonder if there's any connection. <laughs> He looked at me like, you smart, Ellie. Well, I, I wasn't trying to be smart. That's just a fact. The Bible didn't say these signs follow them that don't believe in it. That's right. Didn't say these signs follow them that don't preach it. Yeah. Well, the same thing's true about prosperity. That's right? right? You know, there's people that's taking issue with me. and I've had people meet me out in the parking lot after a service. I thought they were going to take a swing at me. Because I used the word rich. I kept talking about being rich. Being rich. And they said, that ain't right. That's bad doctrine. I said, well, uh, rich is in the Bible, brother. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, though he was so rich, he became poor for our sakes so that we through his poverty might be made rich. In the spirit, we're just as rich as we are righteous. How many understand by his stripes, you were healed. That's got nothing to do with how you feel. Or how you look. That's true no matter how you feel. Are you healed or not? And if you believe it and hold on to it, it'll change your body. Well, the same thing is true. A lot of people haven't learned this, though. We're just as rich as we are healed. In the same redemption, he became sick with our sickness. By his stripes, we were healed. He became poor with our poverty. Why? So we could be rich. And by his poverty, we've been made Rich. Say it out loud, I'm rich. I'm rich. How many understand you've been made righteous? You may not feel righteous. You might not look righteous. But you've still been made righteous. He took your sin and you've been made righteous with his righteousness. I'm righteous. I'm healed. I'm rich. No matter how I feel or look, right? Believe it. Act on it. Expect it. Stay with it. It begins to change your life. You begin to feel like it. You begin to look like it. Now, he said that he had prepared for us a wealthy place and brought us into wealth and great abundance. Now, the first thing I want us to get into on this is that you have a God-ordained wealthy place. Everybody say that out loud. God-ordained wealthy place. You have a God-ordained. Wealthy place. In Acts, why don't you turn back there and look in Acts 17, I believe it is. God has a plan. Before you were born, God's never been caught by surprise. You believe that? Never. You know, sometimes people tell me, well, I was an accident. 
My parents were not expecting me. And so I don't know I'm supposed to be alive on the earth. Well, that's short-sighted. What do you think happened? You were conceived and you were born. And Gabriel told the father, "Uh uh-oh, where'd they come from? (laughs) And the father said, whew, what are we going to do with them? We'll figure something out. Are you kidding? No, 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 no. God, you know, you hear stupid stuff. You do in magazines and TV that God made a mistake. You ever heard such things? I've heard people say, God made a mistake with me. He made a mistake with me. You know, I'm really a woman in a man's body. I'm really a man in a woman's body. Well, now, how'd that happen? Now, come on, we, people believe it. We need to, okay, you believe it. How did it happen? You know, I guess some people believe that there's an assembly line in heaven where the spirits are matched up with the bodies. And maybe it was early on a Monday morning. <laughs> and the angels wasn't watching what they were doing, you know. And quality control was snoozing, you know. And it got down to the end and somebody said, uh-oh, we got a man in a woman's body. And some of the guys said, ah, let it go, let it go. <laughs> well, now, we, do people believe this? Why? How did it happen? No, the devil has confused people. And he's confused people in a lot of ways and in a lot of areas. God did not make a mistake with you. You're not an accident. You know, you might have surprised your parents, but you didn't surprise God. He knew you were coming from the foundation of the world. Right? And he had a plan for you before you were ever born. And included in that plan is a place. Oh, hallelujah. A place for you. Where you fit. Where you thrive. Where you prosper. A wealthy place. Wealthy place. Wealthy place. Acts 17. Are you there? Are we having fun? Yeah, we are. Acts 17. And verse uh, 25, well, verse 24, I have to watch us start that, I wind up in Genesis, because it's all good. <laughs> Acts seventeen twenty-four. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. Where does he dwell? In us, we are the temple of God, not just a building. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. How many would acknowledge he gives you your every breath? He gives you your every heartbeat. Let's just thank him right now. Lord, thank you. Not only for creating us, thank you for sustaining us every moment, every second. Thank you for every heartbeat, every breath. We give you the glory. We acknowledge we are completely dependent upon you. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And, now get this, in verse 26, And he has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. 
and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Has God predetermined where you're to go? What you're to do? Right? Where you fit? What you're to be? Yeah. He has. Listen to the Amplified. He has made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth. Now let's just stop right there. Have you ever heard anybody talk about Asian blood, black blood, white blood, Native American blood? Well, that's acting like there's a bunch of different bloods. Racism is ignorant. It really is. I mean, treating somebody differently because their skin's a different shade from yours is just like treating somebody differently because their hair's a different color from yours. Same difference. I mean, I didn't choose my skin color, nor did you. But we all come, from, so because I didn't choose it, you didn't choose it, then you shouldn't be overly proud or ashamed of it. Right? Either one. Because you didn't pick him. And some people that are the biggest racists. You know, I wish, you know, they could open their eyes and see what's in them, where they come from. Who is their great, 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 great grandma? I think they'd get an eye opener. Right? If you're prejudiced, then you are prejudiced against your own kinfolks. Because we all go back to one blood. Is that right? One blood. We said, oh, no, no. No, I don't have any of that kind of blood in me or this kind of blood in me. Yes, you do. We all come from one blood. Everybody said out loud, one blood. One blood. One blood. Well, I got this blood in me or that. We all come from one blood. One. Racism is ignorant. Yeah, I said it. It's ignorant. Right? It's so ignorant. I mean, you got fine white people and you got sorry white people. And you got fine black people and you got sorry black people. You got fine Asian people and you got sorry Asian people. Is that right? I mean, where you grew up doesn't make you, and your skin color does not make you a good or a bad person. It's what's inside you. Right? We all come from one blood. Say it out loud one more time. One blood. We all come from one blood. That's not my opinion. Hmm? That's the word of God. Amen. Now that he goes on to say, he made from one blood, one common origin, one so if you believe the Bible, you know we all come from Adam and Eve. Right? So physically, we're all brothers and sisters. Right? We all come from the same blood. And he said, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation. The NIV says he's determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Did you hear that? So there's a reason why different tribes and groups of people come from different regions of the earth. Now that we're all mixed together now globally because of travel and that kind of thing. But even yet, uh, people talk about wonder how far we can go in our space travel. Well, exactly as far as the Lord will allow us. He's already predetermined it. 
Did you hear me? Where will we go in our exploration and development of the earth? Well, exactly where the Lord has predetermined and not beyond. Right? And you and I have for us predetermined place to be and place to operate. So somebody said, well, Brother Keith, do you believe in predestination? Absolutely, I do. But I also believe in free will. What do you mean? I believe that before you and I were ever born, God has predetermined who we should be, what we should be, where we should live and operate, and what we should be hooked up with our places. But I believe you can live and die and never do any of it. Did you hear me? Why? Because God has given you and I a free will. And even though he's predetermined it, and even though he's ordained it, he's not going to make you do it. You can choose to do something else. You can choose to go another way. Again, Brother Hagin, my spiritual father in the faith, he said uh, in the beginning days of his ministry, actually he had pastored and been in the ministry some 13 or so years. And he had an experience with the Lord and he saw the Lord. And he said the Lord told him that when he did certain things now, he was going to enter into the first phase of his ministry. And he thought, Lord, first phase? I've been in the ministry for 13 years already. First phase? You mean I'm just now entering into the first? And he said the Lord said to him, he said, many of my ministers live and die and never enter into the first phase of what I've called them to do. He said it's also why many of them die young. They die prematurely. And that's not just true concerning ministers. It's true concerning all the people of God. People are cut short because they're not in the perfect will of God. They're not in their place. I don't know that we've really understood how serious it is to be out of your place. It's serious. It's dangerous. And you get out of your place and stay out of your place long enough, it'll cost you. It'll cut years off of your life. It'll cut blessings out of your life. It will limit you and cap you. How many understand God cannot put his full measure of blessing on your plan that's different from his? Can you be as blessed doing your own thing as doing what he's already predestined you to do? You cannot. Cannot be. And we've got millions of people that are doing their own thing, millions that God put them in the right place, but they jumped out of it. They got offended by something or because of pride or because of any other number of things, and they've jumped out of their place, and now they floundered for years. Not successful, not satisfied. How many understand you go year after year, and you're not increasing, you're decreasing. You go year after year and you don't don't feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you just are unhappy and unfulfilled and unsatisfied. How many understand you ought to wake up and go, something's wrong. I must be going the wrong way. Right? Because when you are in the will of God, there will be blessing. When you are in your place, there will be fulfillment. There's going to be development and satisfaction. Everybody say, in your place. And in that place, it's a wealthy place. Wealthy place. Wealthy place. Place of abundance. Place of rich fulfillment. Turn with me to another great scripture along this line. Look at, uh, in the book of uh, Ephesians. 
Before we made the move to Branson, the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I about this verse. We read it every morning out loud for probably a year. Because the Lord kept bringing us back to it, bringing us back to it. In Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 and verse 8. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained, or the margin says prepared, that we should walk in them. Before you were ever born again, did God have a plan? Did God have works and things that you're supposed to do? And I'm supposed to do. But does that mean that you will automatically do them? Does it mean you have to do them? No, no, we have a free will. We are predestinated, but we're not forced. We're not made to do anything. Now, in the Amplified, listen to this. This is what we'd read to ourselves every day. We knew there was transition coming in our life. And uh, you just feel sorry for people that don't listen to God and don't obey Him because they never know what they missed. I said, they never know what everything. Somebody said, well, what did you miss? You don't know. (laughs) And that's sad. I don't want to miss anything good. Do you? I don't want to miss any of the blessing that God has for me. And you don't have to fear that you're going to miss it, but you do have to obey when He tells you something. How do people miss their place? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but we're going to go into some detail, if the Lord will allow us, about, you know, why people are not in their place and how to get in your place, how to get in this wealthy place that the Lord's talking about. You don't have to fear that you're going to miss the will of God. Don't do that. The way people miss the will of God is when they know what to do and refuse to do it. That's when you miss the plan. Because the devil will tell you, oh, what if you miss it? Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. Well, that fear will keep you from getting direction from God. You don't have to do that. God's a good father. He's not trying to hide his plan from you. He's not trying to make you jump through hoops and make it obscure to you to find your place. He's here to help you. He wants you in the place. Right? And if you'll just obey him, he'll get you there. He'll get you there. The problem is when people know what to do and they decide to do something else. That's when you begin to get away from the plan of God and get out of your place. Now in uh, Ephesians there in the Amplified, he said, We're God's handiwork, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking the paths which he's prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. Which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. That sounds like a wealthy place. Doesn't it? Living the good life. Whoo. Living the good life. The high life. Right? Is that God's plan? The wealthy place. Good works. A path. And a way. I knew for the last... uh, you know, we were able to help uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin for some 20 plus years in the ministry. And thank God for that. But the last couple of years that we worked and helped him, Phyllis and I knew there's a change coming. 
there's a transition coming. We knew that, you know, when we left uh, our homes in Mississippi and went to Tulsa. We got to the place where we knew something's coming up. There's a transition. We're supposed to move. And uh, God didn't tell you the whole story. But he'll show you enough to take a step. And then it's going to take some faith. You're going to have to act like Abraham and step out and go, not knowing where you're going to wind up and not knowing how it's going to happen. And the reason so many people never get in their ultimate place is because they're just too afraid to step out. They're too afraid to leave their security blanket and they're too afraid to leave the little stuff that they know. And looking back now, there's times in my life where I thought, well, that's all I have and that's all I know. I don't want to leave my little stuff. I don't know if I want to leave my little... And looking back now, you know, decades later, you think, Pooh, <laughs> man, I'm glad I left that little stuff because God had something else planned for me. And if I'd have held on to my security, what I knew, I'd have missed it. He could have not gotten me out of the place of lack into the wealthy place. You got to be willing to go anywhere. You got to be willing to do anything. You got to be willing to leave anything. Right? If not then you'll not wind up at the ultimate wealthy place that God has for you. Now, he said the living the good life that God has prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, there was another scripture that the Lord gave us during that time. In 2 Samuel 7, why don't you turn there? 2 Samuel and the 7th chapter, the Lord took us to this. During the same time and period, you know, we'd already been through this one time of moving out to Tulsa and going to school. We're pretty well established over there then and thinking, you know, assuming we'd be there a long time. And we had outgrown our our current facilities. We kept looking for a bigger place and looking for our place. Everybody say our place. We kept looking for it and we couldn't find it. No wonder because we're looking in the wrong state. And so many times that's the case because people will only look in one place. Let me tell you a big key of hearing from God. You've got to, you know, in hearing from God, get before the Lord and get quiet. But you've got to open your heart wide open and not just talk, but genuinely be willing to consider anything. Did you hear me? Be willing to hear a no about something you think you want to do. Be willing to hear a go about somewhere you think you don't want to go. If you're not willing, the least bit of unwillingness will hinder you from getting direction and hearing from God. Because your heart is the big issue in these things. I mean, you know, I didn't think I'd be a pastor. Never crossed my mind. We were in the ministry some 15 plus years, and we were on vacation one time. I remember we were standing by Lakeshore, and I asked Phyllis, I said, you ever thought about pastoring? She said, nope. I said, me neither. That was the end of it. That was the entire conversation. We didn't talk about it again until the Lord began to deal with us about this thing. Oh, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad. How wonderful. The plan of God is, and I've learned he's smarter than me. Right? He knows better where I fit and my place than I do. So you get to thinking you know what your place is. I had a friend I went to school with. And he thought for sure he was an evangelist. And that was it. He didn't even care for pastors too much. 
He thought, ah, oh, they don't have a world vision. They just shut up in their little four walls and they don't, oh, he's an evangelist. He's an evangelist. Fire breathing evangelist. And he went out, he got him a tent, man, he hit it and he preached and had some success. Next thing I knew, he said the Lord called him the pastor. I said, is that right? <laughs> Almost wanted to rib him a little bit about it, you know. And the Lord gave him a great church and just prospered him so wonderfully. But what if he hadn't been open to that? What if he said, no, I know what I am. I'm of this. Well, you better ask the Lord. You got to be, if you're going to find your ultimate place, you've got to be open. Everybody say open. Completely. I mean, get before the Lord and open your heart and say, Lord, I'm willing to look at anything. I'm willing to consider anything. And it's only then that he can take you to the areas that you hadn't seen before, hadn't considered before. And you'll find out what he's known all along. In Second um, Samuel, are you there? Second Samuel 7, the Lord also gave us this verse, this place. I know we were uh, uh, in some meetings with the Copelands and there was a funeral, a some friends of ours that we knew. And since we were there with them, we flew with them in their aircraft to this uh, funeral. And we were coming back. And Phyllis and I, I'd been up in the cockpit, Pastor and Brother Kenneth. And, and then finally I came back and sat down. And Phyllis and I were sitting and Miss Gloria and uh, Miss Billy Brim were sitting there. We were all together. And they began to talk about the place. And uh, Miss Gloria, I knew the story. They began to talk about how they had first saw their place out at Fort Worth and they didn't have any money, but they knew that was their place. And how supernaturally God gave them that wonderful, wonderful facility. And now it's a worldwide powerhouse for God. Amen. But their place was there in Fort Worth physically. But then their place of operation and ministry was there spiritually. And so uh, Miss Billy began to talk about how that she kept thinking she was going to be up in Oklahoma, north of uh, Tulsa there. And, but God got her to Branson and how she was so happy. And, and boy, that bore witness with Phyllis and I, not about Branson particularly, but just that God had a place for us. And when they began to talk and they begin to talk to us, God's got a place. He's got a place for you. And he does. And man, it just struck us in our spirit and we realized, even though we had been in this place where we were for 20-some years, we began to realize, some way or another, we're not fully satisfied about this being our place. And so, it became strong in our heart, God has a place. Our place. Said out loud, God has a place for me. My place. And it's a wealthy place. This is a place where you fit. It's a place you were made for. And it's not just geographic, it's spiritual. A place in the body, a place in association with other people, a place where you fit and where you flourish, where you bear much fruit. Your wealthy place of abundance and rich fulfillment. And not long after that, the Lord brought us to this verse. And I remember when we called uh, the staff in and told them that we were going to move and relocate. And bless their hearts, every one of them came with us. They said, well, we're going too. We said, great, good, good. And every one of them have come and been so faithful. And the Lord gave us the scripture in 2 Samuel 7, 10. 2 Samuel 
7.10, he said, I will appoint a place for my people. How many received that for you, sir? I will appoint a place for my people Israel. Today, the New Testament calls us the Israel of God. And I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own. Somebody ought to be a little more excited about that. That they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. I think a lot of my staff is really standing on that part right there. That they, <laughs> they brought it up to me. But hey, you know, this feel, just in the short time we've been here, it feels like home to us. And I wouldn't be surprised if we were here for a long, long time. But if the Lord told me tomorrow, no, China's the place you ought to be. Right? We'd load up. We'd go. Right? And God would take care of this and it'd be good. Right? Same with you. Are you willing? That was a little weak. Are you willing to leave everything and everybody if the Lord said so? The reality is many, many, many people are not. They are not. They're attached to their stuff. They're attached to their house. They're attached to their land. They're attached to their friends and their family. And they won't leave it. Even if God himself told them to, they won't. It's happening everywhere on the planet. And it's also why people are unfulfilled. It's why they have so much trouble. The doors open to the enemy in their life. They're not in the perfect will of God. They're not in complete obedience. So the doors open to the enemy. They're not developing. That's why they feel so unsatisfied. That's why they're not prospering like they're supposed to. Because God cannot, will not, put his full blessing and approval on disobedience. He can't. He must not. Can you hear what the Spirit of God's saying tonight? A first big step in this thing is to be willing. Right? How many remember Isaiah? If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Does that sound like wealthy place? Does that sound like rich? Yeah, abundance. Yeah. How did it start out? If you be willing. willing. Everybody say willing. willing. If we just got that one thing tonight, we'd be way down the road. Amen. Willing. People talk it, but they're not. I said they talk it, but when something comes up. You know, I don't know what the people, we've got so many faithful people. And so I'm talking about a very, very minute percentage. But there have been a few people, a couple of people here and there through the years that they said, oh, Brother Keith, I'm with you. Oh, man, anything you need. Oh, we're here. God told us to be here. We're here with you. Man, we're here for the duration. Two months later, some come up. Could you do this? Well, that's not really, I don't really have that on my heart. That's. I don't think that's really my ministry. See, unwilling. Unwilling. And people don't realize that just cut them off from what's going on. There's been times the Lord dealt with me, do things for people. They didn't know it. But I was already planning in my heart to help them get a house within a year or two. But they're gone. Now what happens? Well, that doesn't happen. Did you hear me? Some say, why, you didn't, why didn't you tell them? I wasn't supposed to. You're supposed to pass tests. You're supposed to be proven. Right? And that's also why the enemy tempts people so much to get miffed, to get hurt, to get offended, and to jump out. Why? Because he wants to cut you off. He wants to get you diverted. 
away from your blessings. He does not want you in your wealthy place because in your wealthy place, you are a force for God. You're an influence to people all around about you. So he'll do everything in his power to deceive you, to get you miffed, to get you hurt, to get you offended, so that you jump out of where you're supposed to be and you miss your connections and you miss your times. Once you said out loud, I refuse to. I'll not be moved. I'll go where God shows me. I'll stay where he tells me. And he'll get me to my wealthy place. Now, you got to mean it because you'll be tempted. You'll be tempted to jump out. You know, I uh, what a privilege it was to work and help Brother Hagin. But, you know, in 20 years, in a process of time, there were times when some things came up and you were tempted to look at something else. And I had a lot of opportunities. I could have been a missionary. I could have been a music leader. I could have been this. I had an invitation. People asked me, come help us with this. Come do that. And a lot of times I was spending money instead of making money. Amen. But I knew I was supposed to be there. Amen. I was supposed to be there because 20 years before, the Lord had given me three words. Three words. Help. Brother Hagen. That was my ministry for 20 plus years. Somebody said, how did you believe to become a, a Rama instructor? I didn't. I didn't. They came one day and said, we need some help. And the Lord said, help Brother Hagen. Right? Help bro- Pass out cards. Greet at the door. Drive the car. Go get some bread. Preach for me. All of it. Help Brother Hagen. Right? And I know we would not be here, we would not be in this degree of wealthy place if we hadn't stayed in that place. What if we'd have jumped out after five years? Would we be as blessed if that wasn't the plan of God? No. But see, people do jump out. So many people have jumped out. But you know, the Lordship of Jesus is not real to many Christians. If Jesus is your Lord, then you don't make your own decisions and calls about life. If he's your Lord, then you do what he says. And you see, Christians, just as a routine thing, they start jobs when they want to, they quit when they want to. They start churches when they want to, and they change when they want to. How many understand a lot of people are just changing churches, like changing shirts, changing jobs, changing spouses, just changing, you know why? Because they get tired of something, I want to do something else. Well, these people are not in the will of God. They're not in his plan. They're not in what he chose for them and predetermined for them. And that's the answer as to all the myriad of problems and what they don't have and all the things that are going wrong. They're not in the will of God. You can't do your own thing and be fully blessed. We need to change how we teach our children. You hear parents telling, you know, their daughters and their sons, Oh, honey, you're smart, you're bright, you can do anything. You can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. Uh-uh. It ain't true. Did you hear me? Yeah, I'll tell them they're smart. Yeah, I'll tell them they're bright. But they can't be anything they decide to be. It's not for them to decide what they want to be. It's for them to discover what God has already ordained them to be before they were born. It's only in that capacity they'll be fully blessed and happy and satisfied. You can pursue a wrong career. You can do something wrong. It's not just up to what you want to do. I used to get amused sometime at Ramah. 
People will choose what group they're going into for the second year. And people sit around, you know, like career day in high school, like people do. What do I want to be when I grow up? I think I want to be a pastor. That'd be great. I want to be evangelist. Maybe I'll be a, a missionary. Maybe I'll be this. Maybe I'll be all wrong thinking. It's not up to you. It's not up to pick. Which one am I going to pick? That was decided for you before you were ever born. Do you believe that? Do you see that? It was predetermined. It was already chosen for you. It's not up to us to decide what we want to be, what we want to do, where we want to go. That's already been decided for us. It's up to us to discover what we've been God-ordained to be and do and not back off till we find our place. Amen. Will you know it if you're on the right track? Oh, you'll know it. Blessings will come on you and overtake you. Uh -uh. (laughs) The blessing truck run you down. That's an inside joke. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're where you're supposed to be. We hear it all the time at the church. I mean, we feel that way. We know we're where we're supposed to be. Right now, we know that. And a lot of you feel the same way. And we've been blessed just these last couple of years. My, my, my. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. And you know, lay down at night and you know when you, I don't lay down at night and think, wonder if I'm in the will of God. Oh God, I don't know. I hope I am. No, I never do that. I know I'm in the will of God. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And every child of God can have that. Every child of God. Supposed to have that. Supposed to have it. Hallelujah. He said a place of your own. A place of your own. He went on to say the children of wickedness will not afflict them anymore as before time. Let let me read that to you in another translation. He said I'll provide a place for my people. I'll plant them so they can have a place, a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning. What does that mean? Well, how many remember the scripture said, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When you're in the middle of the perfect will of God, how many want to be right in the middle of that dime-sized place? Right in the middle of the palm of the perfect will of God for your life. That's a place of protection. That's a place of prosperity. It's a place of keeping and peace. And the wicked one toucheth him not. Glory to God. Oh, there's nothing worth forfeiting that. Nothing. Nothing. Now go with me, if you would, over to the book of uh, Jude in the New Testament. Book of Jude. The wealthy place is the place that God has already ordained for you before you were ever born. And when people are born again, they're babies. God knows that. And he's very gracious. A lot of times as a baby, he will lead you. You don't even know you're being led. He's carrying you. And he's putting you in the right places and the right connections. And you're not even cognizant of it. You're not even aware of it. You're a little baby. And the Lord's carrying you. But as time goes on, you're supposed to grow up and be more aware. And then as time goes on, you will know his specific leadings and you can refuse to do it. And that's when the problems occur. 
If you say, no, I, I had that on my heart, you know. How many times, have you ever heard somebody say, the Lord told me to do this? Yeah. And then a few months later, a year later, they left? Well, did the Lord really tell them? Then what did they decide to do? You ever heard that? You watch people say, well, the Lord told me this. But then in a few weeks later, to hear them tell it, the Lord changed his mind. Yeah. You think so? No. Or is he the Lord God who changes not? No, he doesn't change. But people change like the wind. And that's why folk get out of their place. The Bible tells us about people getting out of their place and being judged and destruction. It's a very serious thing. Look in Jude in the New Testament telling us about angels. In Jude. Anybody know where Jude is? If you go to Revelation and back up. There you'll be. In Jude, one chapter, and in the uh, sixth verse, Jude verse 6, said the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he's reserved in everlasting chains under darkness to the day of judgment of the great day. Another translation said, uh, they did not keep their first place. They left it. See, they got to looking at something else and left the place God had given them. And it cost them everything. You ever heard the phrase about the grass being greener on the other side? Not being greener. But see, people get to looking at that. And they get to thinking, well, well, that looks good. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll try that. That looks good. Had a fellow call me one time and he had already told me that the Lord had dealt with him to be an evangelist. That that was his call. He was going full steam. And he called me one day and he said, you know, I think I'll try pastoring. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, did the Lord deal with you to do it? He said, I don't know. I'm going to try it. I said, well, now are you ready to commit to those guys like they're your own family? Because they are. You'll be the daddy of that family. He said, well, I don't know about that. (laughs) I said, did the Lord tell you to do this? He said, well, I'm going to try it. I don't think the Lord will mind. (laughs) No, getting out of your place can have serious consequences. Because what you're doing now is you've left your place and you've intruded into another's place. And you're intruding into a place where you're not graced. One way you help identify your place is by your grace. It helps you to identify where you fit. Your graces, your giftings, your anointings. This helps identify where you fit. And you can take the most talented people there are and get them out of their place. And they're paralyzed and useless. Let's take two individuals. Let's take a guy who is a master welder. He's welded all his life. He's one of the best in the world. He's on this huge skyscraper, and man, the sparks are flying, and the welds are perfect and smooth. And friend, when he welds it, you never have to think about it breaking. He's sharp. He can weld anything, any material. Let's take a guy who's a neurosurgeon. And he is an amazing neuro. He's one of the best in the world. I mean, he can do the intricate procedures that nobody else would even touch. Let's take them out of their place and swap them. 
Let's take the brain surgeon. We put him up 30 floors high, put a welding helmet and some gloves on him. He said, now look, you've got to do an overhead beam right here, and this thing has got to hold because there's going to be X amount of tons of pressure on this thing. And he said, I don't know what to do with it. You know how to strike an arc? No. You know how to turn that welder on? No. You know what this is? No. You know what that does? No. Well, you're ignorant. What are you doing up here? And if he didn't know any better, he could feel useless, couldn't he? He could feel like, I don't know a thing. I don't feel like I fit. I don't feel like I belong up here. Well, put your gloves on and weld, brother. (laughs) Now let's take the welder. Scrub him up good and put him in the OR. (laughs) They got the man's head shaved and all the things are beeping and pulsing and carrying. And they said, doctor, which instrument you want first? He said, none. Well, where do you want to start the incision? I'm not going to cut that man's head. Do you know what this is? No. You know what this machine means? No. You know what this reading is? No. You know where to start the incision? No. How are you going to go in? How are you going to exit? I don't know. You know this? I don't know. He could feel ignorant. Right? Well, you're useless. Get out of here. What are you doing in here? No. What's the issue? Is he useless? No. No. You just got him out of his place. And out of your place, you're going to feel useless. If you're out of your place, you're out of your grace. And if you're out of your grace, you'll fall on your face. I want to say it again. Think about it. If you're out of your place, you're out of your grace. I've seen people before that tried to preach. They weren't called to preach. But their wife told them they were. I'm serious. I'm thinking about individuals right now. They were a helps ministry to another ministry. I mean it was their area. Organizational skill and ability to do these. They were sharp. They were quick. They were good with numbers. And they were such a help to that ministry. But then uh, the, the lady in the, in the situation kept on telling him, well, you're called to preach. He said, well, I don't know if it's should. Yeah, you're called to preach. Because she wanted them to have their own. And didn't want them to be a help to somebody else. And she kept on and kept on. And finally, I guess, convinced him. And they left and left a hole where they were helping. That the people had to scramble to try to fill. And went out on their own and just tried and tried and failed and failed. And went to another place and tried and tried and failed and failed and tried and tried. And he was so frustrated because he'd study, do everything he knew to do, and there was just no grace and there was no anointing. Friend, that's tough. That's tough. And people get mad at God and try to blame. Well, God, why would you help me? Why would you help me? He is not obligated to help you do your own thing. You're out of your place. There's some people that have their own ministries that shouldn't. That'd be a greater blessing to the body of Christ as a helps ministry to somebody else. Did you hear me? And then there are those, the Bible said, if you're faithful in that which is another man's, he will give you your own. And if you're faithful, there are times when he says, I want you to oversee something. And there's some people afraid to step out at that point. And they don't wind up in their ultimate wealthy place. Either place you could miss it if you would ignore God and disregard him, disrespect him. But say it out loud, that's not us. I'm going all the way. I will fulfill what he's called me to do. 
I will find and fill my wealthy place. Amen. Doesn't happen all overnight or in a week or two, but if you stay after it, he'll get you there. I said, he'll get you there. I remember one day uh, I told Phyllis this. I was actually back home in Mississippi before we ever went to school. I mean, years ago, Phyllis and I were just really, really young and, and no experience in the things of God. But I was drawing close to God in prayer and in our little mobile home. Laying there in the bed one night, the Lord began to deal with me about pastoring. And it scared me silly. I thought, you got to be kidding. Pastoring? Me? And I mean, he kept me up all night. I thought he wanted me to start the next day, you know. And I, I, and I wasn't willing. I thought, Lord, I knew. No. You sure? <laughs> and finally, you know, I wrestled with that. And he said to me, don't worry about it. By the time you get to it, I'll have you ready. It didn't happen until two years ago. And that was what, nearly 30 years ago. And by the time we got to it, he had me ready. Well, a lot can happen in 25, 30 years, right? A lot can happen. So when the Lord begins to deal with you about something, don't freak out. Don't think, well, I, I, can I do it? No, you can't do it without him, but he's with you. And some things, you're getting a glimpse of the future. And by the time you get to it, he'll have you ready. He'll have you prepared. If you follow him, you'll be prepared. Well prepared. Now go with me over to the book of Isaiah. Let's look at this further. These angels didn't keep the place God gave them. They jumped out of it and they got judged. Look in Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Somebody else got out of their place. And you read about it right here. The Bible said in Isaiah 14, verse 12, Isaiah 14, 12, he said, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What's he talking about? Is he talking about getting out of his place? Did he get out of his place? And what happened? Verse 15, the Lord said to him, you shall be brought down to hell. That's where you're going. To the sides of the pit. He got out of his place. God did not make the devil the devil. He wasn't always like he is. He was the anointed cherub that covers. He had a place in the things of the Lord. He had a glorious place. But that wasn't enough for him. He's in the presence of God. He's being used of God. But that wasn't enough for him. He said, ah, nah, nah, I'm going to be just like the Most High. I'm not going to be under Him. I'm going to be like Him. I'm going to raise up my throne from where I am. I'm going to exalt myself, and I'm going to be like Him. I'm going to challenge Him. God said, no, you're not. You ain't going up, you're going down. How many understand that promotion does not come from the east or the west? It comes from the Lord. Right? 
And you must not presume to get out of your place beyond what he's told you to do. You need to glory in what you're called to be. Right? You need to magnify your office, your place, like Paul said. You know, like this brother I was telling about earlier, I knew him. He was happy as that helps ministry. God was using them. They were being such a blessing. If he'd have just stayed in his place. But they got to thinking, oh no, we don't have to help nobody else. We can have our own thing. We can be the big wigs in charge. We can do it. We can do it. Well, not if God didn't tell you to do. You can fall and fail. That's what you can do. And all of us are in the helps ministry. Right? I mean, the Holy Spirit is called the helper. If he's called a helper, why should you choke on being a helper? Right? All of us are in the helps ministry to the Lord Jesus, the head of the church. This is his thing. Right? We're helping him. No. I prayed this way when we first started in the ministry. I said, Lord, put us in the place where we'd be the most help and where we could make the most difference in the kingdom of God that pleases you. That doesn't mean you've got to have something with your name on it. Where can I do the most good? Where can I be the most help? And if you'll really do that and mean that, he'll get you in the right place. And I understand most people in the body of Christ are not speaking gifts. Most people are not going to be the heads of churches and ministries. Most people are going to be in another capacity. Right? Does that mean it's any less honor in it? Certainly not. But if you get to thinking, no, 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 I can have my own. I can do that too. I know I used to, at Rama there at school, I was an instructor in one of the lab classes. At the end of school, people had to get up and preach a little bit. And they got critiqued by us. And this one fellow, bless his heart, he didn't prepare. And he got up there, and we had a clock. And the clock could start. He's supposed to start preaching. He's supposed to have something substantial within a few minutes and close it up and wrap it up within a few minutes. He got up, and he said, uh, uh, turn to such and such. And then he said, okay, did we turn? Okay, let's turn. Whoo, this is hard, he said. <laughs> he said. And that's all he said for 10 minutes. Man, this is hard. I didn't know this was this hard. This is hard. And then to critique, he was looking at me and said, you know, I know I didn't do good. I said, no, you didn't do it too hot. He said, well, I see you fellas get up and just talk and talk. It just looks so easy to me. I just thought, well, I'll just get up and talk. He didn't even prepare. <laughs> well, no. Doing something you're not called to do, especially with no grace and no anointing, never get your eyes on somebody else. You know, I, I, we traveled for years. And every church nearly you'd go to, the pastor would say, you guys got it made. You just roam around the country and eat in fancy restaurants and stay in nice hotels. Y'all got it made. Y'all got it made. And then you talk to traveling ministers and go, man, I wish I could sleep in my own house, in my own bed for a while. I wish I didn't have to get up and do that. You pastors that got it made, man. Y'all got, y'all get a regular check. I mean, y'all got people that know you and love you. I mean, we're just in and out and travelers, you know. Well, anybody can get to thinking the grass is greener on the other side, but it's not. Where's your grass green? 
It's your wealthy place. It's where your grass is green. It's the place where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And don't you get your eyes on anybody else and their stuff and thinking, no, you glory in what God's called you to do, knowing that's where my prosperity is at. That's where my blessing and fulfillment is. And you stay where he puts you until and unless he tells you something else. You let nothing move you. You let nothing shake you in Jesus' name. Say it out loud. I'll stay in my place. I won't get out of my place. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm thinking about closing. 1 Corinthians 12. We're laying a foundation tonight. How many believe the Lord's going to take us on with this now? We'll get to our wealthy place. 1 Corinthians 12 and 18. 12 and 18. He says, but now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased who? Him. Him. We're compared, the body of Christ is compared to a human body. How many know an ear only fits well in one place? Right? (laughs) What if the hands said, I'm tired of being a hand. I just do hand stuff and I just hand stuff in the morning and hand stuff at noontime and hand stuff when the sun goes down. I'm tired of being a hand. And the foot said, who you think you got it tough? You ought to have to carry all that bulk around all day. I mean, we get shut up in shoe. And so they say, well, let's trade. Let's trade. I think I'd rather be a foot. Well, I think I'd rather be a hand. How many of you got problems? Let me try to fix your hair with your feet. Try to brush your teeth and write with your feet. How many of you got your number tens on the end of your wrist? How cool is that? No. And your hands are supporting your body. Oh, you're going to break fingers. You got problems. None of your shoes will fit. Right? There's only one place. One place where a left ear fits. Right? It's on the side of your head. And how many of you your ear says, I'm tired of hearing. You eyes have got it made. I wish I could be an eye. An ear will never make a decent eye. You can stick it on the front of the face. You can put artificial eyelashes on it. You can put glasses on it. But it will never make a decent eye. Never. It's an ear. You are what you are. Be what you are. Glory in being what you are. Don't intrude into another office. Don't try to be something. Respect it. You know, respect other body parts. And man, look at that eye. Isn't that wonderful? But I don't feel inferior because I'm not an eye. I'm an ear. I'm something. How many understand every one of us in the body are something? God has made us and he has set every one of us in the body as it has pleased him. we got a God-ordained place where we fit, where we function, where we bear much fruit. Our wealthy, prosperous place. Glory to God. Stand on your feet, why don't you? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries, and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.